0: Hello and welcome everybody to the politics, politics, politics podcast for March 16th, 2022, 316. Oh, hell yeah. It's your old pal, Justin Robert Young, joining you in Austin, Texas for yet another fun filled podcast filled with, well, you guessed it, politics, politics, politics. Andrew Heaton and I were at a South by Southwest event On Sunday, this is what you do when you're in Austin. You go to South by Southwest events. This was the Patreon one. And uh, we were talking to people. We were networking. That's what you call drinking with strangers. And Heaton is giving his elevator pitch on what his podcast is. And he's like, I'm Andrew Heaton. And I do a, a lovely podcast called The Political Orphanage. And uh, I was like, oh, well, I do a podcast that has an even less valuable name for search engine optimization. But that plucky little show is going to bring the heat because, oh, baby, we're finally back, man. This ain't going to be a legislative podcast through the spring and summer. This ain't going to be a foreign policy podcast Between the spring and summer. This isn't going to be a epidemiological podcast. A public health podcast through the spring and summer. No, because we got races, baby. And they are burgeoning. I got an insight here on what's happening in Georgia. Because by the way, by the way. Donald Trump has done nothing but talk wild, wild stuff about current sitting Georgia Republican Governor Brian Kemp because he did not do enough during the 2020 election. And yet, very quietly, Brian Kemp is not only beating Trump's chosen challenger, but his lead is widening. <sighs> What does that say? What does it say about Georgia? What does it say about Trump? What does it say about Stacey Abrams? We will dive all the way in on that. Vladimir Zelensky is a needle mover in American politics. He matters to American voters. And Democrats are in a bit of a tricky situation. Because on one hand, the more everybody talks about Vladimir Zelensky, the less they're talking about inflation, the more they're talking about Russia, the less they're talking about the fact that gas prices were high before the war. So it benefits them to keep this issue front and center. Here's the problem. Zelensky's going to talk to Congress tomorrow today and he's going to name and shame. What kind of dance do the Democrats need to do there? And we are joined by Evan Scrimshaw of thelines.com. And speaking of the lines, I'm going to make up some lines. I have taken a look at the polling, and we are going to go through primaries. And I'm going to set lines for him. If you're unfamiliar with this phenomenon, effectively, whenever I say a line, just substitute it in your head with, will they win by, and then whatever number but we need to start focusing on these primaries because I'm going to be hitting the road in the next month or so. And we're going to be uh, knee deep with all these names. We got to start familiarizing ourselves. And if there's one way to do it, it's to put names that you are familiar with on the record as what is going to happen. And so we will do exactly that. Before we start though, just to let you know that we're back We are back We're back in a full midterm episode Here's Larry the Cable Guy Doing a for real political endorsement in Nebraska
1: Hi, I'm Larry the Cable Guy International supermodel When my friend Jim Phillan asked if I'd help him out with his campaign I said, Jim, just tell me when, where And how much have you been drinking Then I immediately googled Worst campaign decision ever To see where this would rank Then I thought, wait a minute Jimmy P's about as Nebraska as you can get. He was born here, a Husker legend, raised a family here, built a successful agribusiness. Shoot, I fell in love with him in 78 when he helped beat Darth Switzer in his sooner goons and gave every family in Nebraska an awesome Thanksgiving. Except for my family, because my dad had money on Oklahoma and we lost the house. But that's not Pillin's fault. You seen Jim's commercials? Well, what he lacks in fashion sense, he makes up for it in his belief in a better Nebraska. Jim's my friend, a strong conservative, and if there's anybody I trust to deal with the stench of Nebraska politics, it's a successful hog-raising Nebraska. And if you think I'm only endorsing Jim because I'm trying to get years of traffic violations erased, well, (laughs) you'd be absolutely right. Vote for Jimmy Pellin, and he'll get her done for governor. (laughs) Oh, baby!
0: Budford! Could Donald Trump be facing a devil of a time down in Georgia? This is not something that I've heard a lot of people talk about, but I guarantee you somebody is going to start talking about it uh, eventually. I'm going to be the first one. So everybody who has this take, uh, you ripped it off from me. Very quietly in Georgia. Brian Kemp, the sitting governor, is running ahead of his challenger, David Perdue. Any other time, that wouldn't be that big of a shock, of course. Incumbents usually win primaries within their own parties, but this is not any normal situation. Brian Kemp is among the biggest enemies for Donald Trump, as he, Trump, has alleged Kemp caved to nefarious election meddling and therefore delivered the White House to Joe Biden. There are many things that can be argued about that. They've been argued, but that's where we stand in terms of the points of view from our two principles. By January, only months after the initial election in 2020, Trump was up on stage, theoretically, getting... Georgia Republicans excited to go vote for more Georgia Republicans in the Senate runoff when he out and out said that Trump would be back to challenge Brian Kemp, to make sure that Brian Kemp did not win re-election. And Trump recruited pretty well. David Perdue is a well-known former senator. He lost in that runoff while Donald Trump was doing active voter suppression, but this is a, a, about as high quality of a of a recruit that Trump could have hoped for. Now, the offer to Georgians seemed clear. Trump is very popular in the Peach state. Why don't you just replace? One competent white guy with another competent white guy that Trump likes better. And at least right now, and again, we are not far away from this primary. This primary is in May. At least right now, that simple premise is being rejected for Recent Republican primary polls from Quinnipiac, Trafalgar Group, Fox 5 Local, and Fox News National all say the same thing. Kemp is leading by above the margin of error. And what's more, his lead is widening. Indeed, the most recent poll has Kemp up 11. By the way, that wasn't the case in December. The first poll in this race that was taken was by Fox 5. And the two were tied. So, is this a big deal? Little deal? No deal? Well, let's understand the factors here. Stacey Abrams, the likely Democratic nominee, is still the biggest villain in the minds of the Georgia GOP. She's got wild name recognition and has a legitimate shot at raising the most money that a Democrat raises in the midterms. However, I don't know if you looked outside your window lately, but the world is not exactly rosy for Democrats right now. Biden's approval rating sucks. Cultural issues are tilting toward Republicans. Hell, Beto O'Rourke came out last week against critical race theory in schools. Inflation is now unlikely to retract in a meaningful way before election day. All of this is to say, that a Republican incumbent looks very, very, very hard to beat in a state like Georgia. Add on to it that Brian Kemp has already beaten Stacey Abrams before. Now, there's also this. If it weren't for any of the election stuff, there's almost no doubt that Donald Trump would be endorsing Brian Kemp. So let's isolate that exact choice. Do Georgia Republicans care enough about what happened in the election of 2020 to oust an incumbent running against a Democratic money machine? And at least right Now, the longer they think about it, the more that Georgia Republicans seem to be saying, "Nah." We are going to talk about this a little more later in the show with Evan Scrimshaw. However, if you are here for is Trump fading pieces of evidence, I'm not looking at what Tom Cotton says. I'm not looking at what Mike Pence says. I'm not even really looking at what Ron DeSantis says. This, if the trend holds, is the biggest evidence at the very least that big ticket Republican races are not going to be motivated by 2020 election animus in the way that Donald Trump hopes they will be. Because it's very obviously the only thing on his mind. The war in Ukraine rages on. The Russian invasion now stretching into its third week. We are likely going to hit a month of active combat unless nascent peace talks that have reportedly heated up begin to bear fruit. In the meanwhile, the meteoric celebrity of Vladimir Zelensky, the president of Ukraine, is something that only continues to grow, drawing comparisons daily to some of the most renowned figures in international relations— Winston Churchill, for example, is something that I have heard more than once. And hell, Churchill didn't have an Instagram account. In all seriousness, though, Vladimir Zelensky is somebody that wants things. He very much understands that he is reliant upon the West. If they are going to continue to fight off Russian forces, because while we can all look from abroad and admire the bravery of Ukrainians who are fighting off the third largest military in the world. Well, it really helps when you got American weapons and when you have American intelligence, both of which continue to flow. But still, the carnage is something that's hard to look away from bombings in various different civilian areas by Russian forces. And so, Zelensky wants more from the West. Specifically, he wants a no-fly zone. He wants planes from Poland that the United States would need to broker, as well as more weapons. So he will come to Congress, virtually, of course, and he will ask for some, if not all, of those things. According to early reports, he is also going to, quote, name and shame members of the United States that have stood in the way of what he sees as a life-and-death situation. And considering the fact that there is no guarantee he is ever going to see April 1st, I don't think that's an April Fool's. The question is exactly how hard will he push and specifically what will he ask for? Reports have come in to say that Zelensky is being greatly, greatly pressured by the Biden administration to please not make a gigantic deal about the no-fly zone. That is something that is a hard no for the Biden administration. They believe that that would be a provocation and an escalation to literally World War III. But the Democrats are put in a very tricky situation here. Because Vladimir Zelensky, specifically, as a figurehead for the war in Ukraine, is a needle mover. And specifically one that benefits Democrats who are desperate for a conversation that doesn't involve the economy or their legislative record. This has led to some in Congress being more aggressive than the White House. It was only on Sunday that Amy Klobuchar, a steadfast defender of Biden talking points, was in Poland doing a Sunday talk show news hit, where she was asking for the plans that the Biden administration had denied Ukraine. Zelensky, a very savvy political actor, knows this, and he's going to attempt to fan the flames. But again, on what? Because he can only push the United States so far, knowing that the only reason why he's likely still alive is because of his association with Washington, D.C. So what seems likely is, Zelensky wishes out loud there would be a no-fly zone, and specifically makes the ask for the planes and more weapons. It's still going to be must-see TV. Meanwhile, there is the larger question. Exactly what's going on with this war? Military analysts continue to see a shoddy push by a seemingly ramshackle Russian army. Ukrainian defenses have been ably holding them off from major cities. And while at this point smart money still seems to be on Russians being able to take the capital city of Kiev, the more realistic query would be how long is that going to take exactly from, you know, regular horrors of war to war crimes? Will Putin be willing to get to do it? And then the most pressing of all, let's say he does take Kiev. How long is he going to be able to hold it? Obviously, this is extraordinarily serious and it's dominated all news and rightly so. Land wars in Europe don't happen every day. And there's a lot to talk about around it as well. Up to and including what seems to be legitimate resistance from the Russian people despite the fact that they are being extraordinarily economically punished by way of EU and U.S. sanctions and are being actively lied to by their media. I know, I know, I know. Who isn't? But still, you don't see every day somebody running in the background of your, you know, most uh, reviled news outlet of choice and holding up a sign saying, we're lying to you. That's happening right now. And in Russia, you don't just get ejected and fired. You get disappeared. And that's exactly what happened to a staffer from that television station when she did exactly that. By the way, a little scuttlebutt on that story. If you haven't seen the clip, go look it up. A woman holding up a sign saying, no war, we are lying to you. What I heard, a little whisper on the wind, is that the anchor that she was standing behind is one of Putin's mistresses. So, yeah. Either way, Zelensky has his work cut out for him. Not to say that that's been something that is new to him over the past month. Will the United States time his speech with more announcements? We'll have to see today. (laughs)
1: Ladies
0: and gentlemen, if you want to support this show, the best place to do it. That take politics seriously.com. Full transparency. Still getting over the the of what happens when you get COVID. So that's why you might hear my voice a little bit gunked up this episode. You want to know what didn't skip a beat? My output on this show specifically the Patreon bonus episodes. Nobody missed a Sunday, Sunday, Sunday episode. Nobody missed a late edition on Thursday. Oh, baby. Rain, sleet, snow, hail, Omicron, doesn't matter. Nothing will stop me from making my appointed rounds to giving you guys the best possible content that I can produce. And especially now. Now that we got stuff going on, we've got we've got wacky ads, we've got polls, we've got results. You know, primers already happened in Texas. Ooh, good times! If you want it, come on over and get it. TakePoliticsSeriously.com is where you need to go. Again, two bonus episodes each and every week. Also. A uh, reminder that Dog and Pony Show Audio, my production company, we've got a new show airing right now. It is the second season of World's Greatest Con with Brian Brushwood. It is all about the uh, crazy world of television game shows. Just aired. We're about halfway through the season now. Now's a great time to binge it. I know a lot of folks are like, ah, I want to wait until I have a bunch that I can that I can listen to at the same time. Perfect time to do that. You're going to get the first episode about the uh, 1950s quiz show scandals, including 21, which is what we spend most of our time talking about. The story, the insane story of Michael Larson and the press your luck uh, uh, scheme. I mean, he basically figured out a way to cheat the game on a television show where there was no prize limit and you could keep playing forever. A, a great story that I think we added a lot of context to that folks are not, um, you know, immediately aware of. Even if you're aware of his, of his story, I think we found and, and, you know, try to tell the tale of a bunch of very interesting stuff. And then the episode that's out now, which is just such a delight. Charles Ingram and the Who Wants to Be a Millionaire scandal. Here's, here's the quick ten cent version. A man who's still in the British military, he's a British army major, goes on who wants to be a millionaire when it's the biggest show on the planet in 2001, has a first day where he sucks terribly, uses almost all of his lifelines. Then they, you know, do the, end it for the day, comes back the next day, and Brian has this great line, like- Forrest Gump being played by Jack Black just traipses his way to the million dollars. And the way that he does it is by far the dumbest scheme we have ever covered and will likely ever cover on that show. You got to go check it out right now. Uh, It is Charles Ingram and the Who Wants to Be a Millionaire Scandal available now at uh, World's Greatest Con. Find it wherever you get podcasts. Our guest today is a writer for TheLines.com, a betting site. He is their political betting analyst. He also has a great Substack, Scrimshaw Unscripted. You can find that on the Substack platform. We're going to talk about lines, and I know that some people are just perpetually confused when we talk about gambling terminology. So one last time for for folks going into this, whenever I say a line, so for example, Justin over Young, minus one. What I'm saying is that if Justin and Young ran against each other, that young would win by more than one. It's that simple. So whenever I'm talking about a spread or a line, that's all I'm saying is that the person that I say is favored to win will win by the number that I say. And with all that being said, let's welcome in our guest.
2: Welcome to the show. Scrim. Thanks for having me, man. Always love hopping on.
0: Okay. Uh, uh, Before we start, Let's uh, uh, talk about the all uh, uh, the, the, the all powerful weather report when it comes to any midterms conversation, and that is where we are nationally. Uh, the last time we talked, you uh, uh, you know made made the point that Biden's approval ratings were not good. Uh, uh, you have economic indicators that are not good for the Democrats. In the intervening time, there has been a slight bump. In in Biden's approval rating, is that something that you see as a possible trend upwards or is it still in a place where every Democrat should be terrified?
2: So Biden's approval is a hard conversation because there are two things that are true at the same time. Joe Biden's approval is like statistically statistically significantly better today than it was the last time you and I recorded like yes he's about nine points underwater now he was about 11 12 points underwater when we recorded last time that's a meaningful move and i'm using the 538 average yeah uh it's also worse today than the day democrats lost virginia and almost lost new jersey which means it's still real bad and the fact that the expectations are now so low for biden that like we're celebrating oh he might only (laughs) be nine points underwater on average oh uh I think it was a Marist NPR PBS poll. He's only three points underwater. The fact that we're celebrating that like it's an <laughs> accomplishment tells you just how bad the approval is.
0: Yeah. And and I, I, for me, I think it tracks more to covid than anything, which also just highlights the problem, which is that he's not in control of it. There's not a lot that he can do especially when it seems like the the inflation is going to be high through the midterms. There's not a lot of moves. You know, the moves that could happen are are by God.
2: <laughs> Move the moves that can happen are he prays to God no democratic governors or democratic mayors decides to put in stupid restrictions between now and November. Like the best chance cuz I think you're right that it does it does pretty much track covid. Like yeah. the best chance Democrats have for a good fall, right? Maybe not a, they keep the house fall, but they keep the Senate or, you know, they don't lose as many governorships or whatever. The best yeah. chance they have for that is we get through an entire baseball season with no restrictions on attendance. Everything's fine through the summer. And then we get to NFL and college football season and we have every stadium in the country, a hundred percent capacity. You know, we're filling up the big cash are filling up Lambo no vaccine mandates anymore, no restrictions, we're just done. And I have no idea if that's going to be able to happen. I have no idea where the science or the epidemiology is going to be yeah. in six months, but that's the only hope Democrats have. Is,
0: is that COVID's gone in, in the minds of yeah. the voter. Is that COVID is is gone, which is something that we've hoped for for two years, and and so maybe now, maybe maybe now it's going to be uh, it's going to be the case. Yeah, I, I I think I totally agree with you that that this is the 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 best case scenario now for Democrats is keeping the Senate and not getting slaughtered in state houses. I think the House is, I mean, that's gone, right? I mean, like unless unless you are. You know, uh, Nancy Pelosi's comms team nobody is talking about keeping
2: the house I keep running into this weird thing where like the the house map is really really good for Democrats and like it's probably going to get better because the Ohio maps are probably gonna get tossed again but yeah. like Democrats are this weird thing where like one of the ways you can judge upsets is how many things have to go Wrong for the favorite or how many things yeah. Have to go right for the underdog and like Democrats are only one thing away At this point because they've gotten so many Favorable court rulings they've gotten so many Favorable uh, Outcomes in redistricting And yet like as A statistician I'm like oh I yeah, know they've got like a you know 20% Chance or whatever 25% chance based on My math and in my gut I'm like Yeah this is there's no chance They're not winning yeah. the
0: well, let's talk about some of that because uh, there already have been primaries uh, here in uh, the the uh, great state of Texas where I'm talking to you from. And uh, the big marquee matchup was somebody who is nominally <clears throat> nominally a Democrat in Henry Cuellar. He is also under FBI investigation running against somebody for whom is a progressive scion, Jessica Cisneros and while there was favorable returns early in the night the results although under the the runoff line were about what they were 2 years ago when Cisneros came close enough and that was with a more favorable district for Cisneros because you had more of San Antonio uh, in, involved in it uh, what what was your take on that race
2: if she can't beat him now in a more favorable district And with him under FBI investigation, like we have to start having a conversation about why a bunch of people hitch their wagons to a candidate who clearly can't win. Like, I don't understand why the left were like, yep, this is our, this is our gal. This is our, this is our candidate. Cuellar is a, a, again, you you said he's either nominally a Democrat. That's the best way to put it. He's pro-life, right? He's pro-life. He's a conservative Democrat. He is a blue dog of the old, you know, two thousands generation yeah. that in the House mostly got slaughtered out in the twenty ten midterms. And if you can't beat him in a Democratic primary when he's under FBI investigation, when he got raided by the FBI,
0: it, it, like a, a, I, I don't understand it. A, 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 a week away from early voting. By the way, this was not something that happened a long time ago. They 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 raided the man. Within a week of early voting, like it was, it was not a uh, uh, it, it was it was not a, a faint memory. And if you look at how they ran that race, like the 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 campaign ads, Quayar ran the way that you know a, a Republican will run against AOC. Like it was, it was you know defund the police, open borders, like like he he ran essentially Republican talking points. Against her, um, the question then becomes, I think, in that district, how progressive. I mean, like, because she kind of played this double this double life thing, because like her messaging to the actual voters was "Quayar changed. I'm a new face. uh, Let's look out for the little guy. And, you know, nationally, she's this like young Turks AOC of Texas, super progressive. That is going to, you know, be the the bellwether for a new Texas. Uh, uh, I, I I tend to agree with you. I think that like that was looked at as, I mean, it was covered as like, wow, Cisneros really ran close, and I'm like, that's a disaster. If she couldn't beat him there, like that is bad.
2: Oh yeah, and she's gonna get and she's gonna get killed in the runoff because yeah. The further you get away from the FBI investigation, unless something happens between now and I think it's May, usually for uh, Texas runoffs, it's May. Um, yeah. unless something unless more things happen in that FBI investigation between now, and then no one's going to no know it's going to care. Uh, like, so I think that's going to hurt her, but also turnout's probably going to be lower. And I think the young. Progressive Cisneros voters up in San Antonio are going to be less likely to turn out on a random Tuesday with not a lot on the ballot as compared to uh, older, more conservative Cuellar uh, voters in the South. So I think she's probably going to lose pretty substantially. The other thing is, is that with the uh, generally bad results from uh for for like there's an increasing view that Democrats are in a bit of trouble with yeah. those kinds of um rural southern hispanics and if that's the case and I agree with that uh, view um I think there's gonna be a bit of a push for well damn it we kind of need to reelect Quayard anyways yeah and if that's the push from general Democrats, I think you're probably in a position where you're going to end up being pretty happy. Well, I, I think,
0: yeah, I, I agree that if if it's if it's Cuellar, then, you know, you have a better chance as the Democrats of keeping that seat. And it looks like that seat might be an actual Battleground in, in, in a way that it hasn't been in in a very long time. So we will see that. Uh, uh, one last thing. I don't know if you have any thoughts about it. Is uh, the Attorney General position here in Texas, uh, Ken Paxton, who is uh, uh, just made made quite uh, the 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 name for himself with a memo. I mean, among other things, most recently, right before Election Day, which I thought was uh, about as gross of an election day stunt, as as you can imagine, he reinterprets a law about transgender children. uh, uh, So it's it's not an actual law. It's his interpretation of it. The election or primary happens. He comes in under the uh, runoff line, and now he will go head to head with son of Jeb, George P. Bush. There has been, at least in my circles in Austin, seemingly a bit of a a push to unite around uh son of Jeb to, to oust Paxton from Democrats who would be allowed to vote in the runoff. Uh, uh, what is your take?
2: Generally, these kinds of leads uh, do not get overtaken in runoffs. It would be pretty surprising if they managed to pull it off this time. Yeah. Um, the other thing about, uh, George P is he didn't even do particularly well in uh, I'm thinking like the DFW quad, uh, the Austin suburbs. It's not like, which is what where you would expect the son of Jeb Bush to be particularly yeah. strong, right? There's old money um, suburban communities, the mid cities between uh, Dallas and Fort Worth. He's not a particularly good candidate. I guess he could raise a lot of money, but I mean, so could Jeb and look at how his presidential race went. Yeah. Um. I don't know. (sighs) I mean, it's possible that a bunch of Democrats just decide because they have no interesting runoffs that they're going to go in and save Jeb, but I kind of, or Jeb's kid, but yeah, I got to think he's too far behind. My guess would be Paxton win 60, 40 because as despicable and horrific as his pre-election stunt was. Unfortunately, that works in Republican politics these days.
0: Well, I mean, he's got gigantic name value and he is uh you know seen as as the the fighter for whatever is to be fought against amongst uh, those voters. So, there we go. Okay, that is uh stuff that is coming up now, but uh I want to do something a little bit more lighthearted. Uh you are obviously a betting analyst for the com, and so to kind of introduce some of these races that I'm going to be going out and covering over the next few months. I wanted to set some lines for you and you tell me which way that you would go. We're going to start here in Pennsylvania. Uh, uh, This is one of the more colorful, at least in terms of the ad spend uh, campaign so far. McCormick over Dr. Oz. Uh, Right now, the Real Clear Politics average has McCormick up uh 1.5 and that is what I will set the line at however the largest sample amongst uh uh, uh uh amongst those polls was a Trafalgar group poll that had Oz up 11 in February so there is a lot of variance uh, uh there but I just went with 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 the RCP average where where do you where, where do you like McCormick or Oz at 1.5
2: Dr. Oz is going to win this primary because as we talked about the last time he hadn't been on the show, when was the last time someone with David McCormick's uh, pro Bush administration, pro gay marriage, uh, you know, private equity hedge fund guy profile and reputation won a statewide primary in the GOP.
0: I mean, the argument for him would be he's currently polling ahead of Dr. Oz. So so something is resonating and maybe, you know, Oz is a celebrity uh, figure uh, too far. You know, that that is like, okay, Trump, we can handle at least he was a businessman on television. Uh, 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 Dr. Oz is a is a is a doctor and we don't like that.
2: Yeah, I mean, I get that argument, but. Two things. One, there's still a ton of undecideds at this point, which means I'm not too concerned by, you know, a two point polling leader or whatever. Yeah. But so McCormick, I think, is most famous for signing an amicus brief in 2013 that David Frum also signed, which is how we have the notoriety, but Republicans for gay marriage when uh, Windsor. When Windsor v. United States is being fought, I'm going to name you some of the other Republicans who are on this list. It's not a long list, but you'll understand why I'm doing this. David sure, Frum, John Huntsman, Steve Schmidt, uh, Bill Weld, Christine Todd Whitman, and Meg Whitman. Do you know what that list is? It's a list of never-Trump Republicans whose careers are over. It's a graveyard. Yes. This yes. hand because brief is literally just a graveyard of well, they went and worked for the Lincoln Project. They're columnists or they're the libertarian vp nominee in 2016 i just don't see someone with mccormick who's resume winning again
0: by the way repudiated his own ticket to say vote for (laughs) hillary like like which is
2: i I forgot that happened to
0: this day to this day low moral character by bill weld like like that i mean like look whether or not you agree with the libertarian ticket like there was a lot of people that donated a lot of money and sacrificed hours of their of their of their lives for your cause. And at the 11th hour, you sell the pound. I don't know. I, I will. I will never forget that. All right. Uh, let's switch over to the Democratic side here in uh, the the Pennsylvania stuff. Not a ton of good polling for whatever reason. Uh, Republican primaries just get polled a lot more than uh, Democratic ones. Uh, Fetterman over Lamb. Uh, Fetterman is. More progressive, Connor Lamb. Uh, you might remember he he used to be the the hot the hot young thing for for the Democrats, but now he is too middle of the road, according to some. I'm setting the line at five. Fetterman minus
2: five. Uh can I get like an alt spread to Fetterman by 20 at like four to one <laughs> odds, please? Fetterman's <laughs> sure. going to annihilate him. And the reason we know Fetterman's going to annihilate him is because if Connor Lamb's campaign had a pulse right now, yeah. if they were live in any way, shape or form, they would have put out an internal poll a month ago or three weeks ago or two weeks ago showing him down six, right? They would have shown some momentum. They would have shown some evidence that, no, no, I'm actually live the only real polling we have of the race is one Franklin and Marshall small sample which eh, not really great and like 56% undecided and it's a couple of Fetterman internals and one Malcolm Kenyatta internal and Lamb has not been able to project any strength against the increasing narrative that he's stuck in last play that he's stuck in second and he doesn't have a way forward and I'm reminded of 2020 when Joe Cunningham's people gave Politico a poll showing him up thirteen for some, you know, long read about how actually Democrats are gonna win 250 seats or whatever. And then two weeks later, his Republican opponent, Nancy Mace, put out a poll showing her up too. And the point of that poll was I didn't think I don't, you know, think that poll was accurate in the sense that I don't think at that time. Nancy Mace really thought she was up too, Yeah. But the point was to keep Republican money and Republican attention in the district. It was yeah. to show, no, no, I have a pulse. We're not down 13. Where's the Connor? Where's Connor Lambs equivalent?
0: What happened with him? He was like the guy. He got like a ton of of, of of press attention. Was was he just a a balloon, like inflated by Democratic money and and attention? And now, when nobody's looking at him, he just deflates and and farts onto the floor.
2: Connor, I keep writing about the two lambs because the the Connor Lamb from twenty eighteen, who won a like Trump plus twenty special election. And then one uh, redrawn suburbancy, like really strongly has just become like, he was a mediocre candidate in 2020 and you could sort of write that one off like, Oh, he thought he was going to win by 10 because he believed all the polls and you know, he just got caught, but like he's running a great campaign to win a primary in 1962 when (laughs) it's just the back room cloak room guys with cigars making all the decisions and he's running a really bad campaign to win a primary electorate where like a million people are going to probably vote and he has no touch with the general electorate and he's running a campaign that's really good at micro stuff right he's really good at, at getting union endorsements and he lined up a, a big slate of, of black endorsers uh, yeah. which he announced on Martin luther king day but he's really really bad <laughs> At at crafting a public message, and his thing is just like well dunking on uh, John Fetterman for maybe not wanting to do a debate. Yeah, and nobody really cares. Especially no, nobody right cares. There.
0: Nobody cares. All right, so so Fetterman, you are hammering. You 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 oh. believe that this is going to be double digits.
2: Yeah, easily. And I say this as someone who there is a tweet, which I'm going to have to delete at some point where I said, Lamb is going to be Federman by like 10 plus. Like <laughs> I was not I was really high on lamb at one point, And I just have to acknowledge like, nah, I got this one wrong.
0: Is it, I mean, do, do you think that lamb is is possibly going to be benefited by the the parade of names? Like we're going to see a bunch of famous Democrats come in to try to try to bolster him or is he is he a lost cause?
2: I think if he had a pulse and I think if the parade, I think the parade of Democrats are going to require some proof that he has a pulse. And if he can't provide one by now, I'm not really sure what's going to change in the next eight weeks.
0: Let's swing down to Georgia. We have a college football candidate. I'm going to give you a college football line. Herschel Walker over the field right now. The current real clear politics average is 59. So Walker minus 59. I'm giving you an SEC level uh, uh spread here.
2: Wow, this is some like Alabama versus Citadel nonsense exactly. from you. Exactly. Uh okay, so does Herschel Walker get 80% of the vote is really what you're asking me. Yes. Uh yeah. Yeah, he does. Just there's no one else of any consequence. He has a Trump endorsement. And the thing is, Trump is gonna keep going to Georgia, so everyone's gonna know. And it's Herschel Walker, baby. Like, yeah, why not? Let's just trust her. Let's trust Herschel
0: now. here's the only thing. And I talked about this earlier in the show. But have you checked in on some of the polls for Kemp Purdue? Yeah, they're pretty interesting, yeah. Uh, like Kemp is leading, and it's growing. Like there was one tied poll in in uh December. Around when Purdue announced, and since then it has not been great. And and Trump has been at least in in the southeast. He certainly has not stopped talking about Brian Kemp. He is still a public enemy number one. And yet, based on the polling that we have right now, I am going to give you the line Brian Kemp over David Purdue by five.
2: Ooh, okay. I think. Oh, I think at five I take Kemp. Right. Because I do buy the idea that Purdue, I think, is more of a wounded beast from losing that senator seat than I sort of clocked originally. Right. Um, whatever you and I think about John Ossoff, I do think, I, I think Republic Georgia Republicans don't find Ossoff to be particularly impressive. And therefore, losing to him, I think, is more of a, an unimpressive accomplishment than they think. And also, I do wonder if there's some lingering resentment towards Trump on the notion that they might think that him, his statements about the runoffs. And, you know, I think there's some talk that, you know, we we always hear talk that, you know, some people think that that was disharmful to their chances and that might have tipped the ballots. I don't know if it was determinative, but yeah, the Trump endorsement doesn't quite mean what we thought it was. I think what some of us thought it was going to mean at the beginning of the cycle It's still powerful, but I I don't think it's quite as powerful as people think. Here's the thing. I think
0: it matters the like it matters a lot for Herschel Walker, right? Herschel Walker without a Trump endorsement is nowhere near as powerful as Herschel Walker with a Trump endorsement where. And this is the point I made earlier in the podcast. I think for Georgia Republicans, their biggest fear is Stacey Abrams. And if you're saying, do I care so much about the 2020 election? That I don't want to run a incumbent that already beat her, while she's going to be wounded based on the national mood. No, they don't. Like they they don't want to jettison an an incumbent that's already beat her uh, while she's weak, so they can gamble on on Purdue and give Stacey Abrams a, a bigger target to run against because now you're. You know, uh, harnessing now it's about Trump. It's Stacey Abrams versus Trump.
2: Yeah, and the other thing is I think the difference is that Trump's endorsement of Herschel Walker cleared the field for Herschel Walker. Yeah. Trump's anti-Kemp endorsement did not clear the field. It didn't get no, Kemp it, to it, reconsider it running it. It made
0: it yeah, it made it complicated, right? Yeah. Like it 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 made it really weird. And and I think if if there is anything to draw from the like, okay, how how much does Trump matter going into this year? How much does Trump matter going into 2024? I, I do think that his continued obsession and enemies list about the election, I think that there's more of a Republicans are more willing to to fight for the the disloyal Republicans like Liz Cheney, because that is like an act on the field. But the election stuff, I I do think it's like people are kind of past it, and and ultimately they the the Georgia Republicans just don't want Stacey in there.
2: Yeah, and the other thing is, uh, you know, because I think I don't know if this is going to be on your list, and if so, I'm sorry if I'm screwing up your plans here. But That's like fine. Ted Budd released this like very weird fake Q A where he like impersonated a uh, Politico guy recently in North Carolina Senate, and like. They're still losing. Ted Bud's campaign is still losing to you know failed former governor Pat McCrory. And they're yeah. like, oh no, once once more people now but the Trump endorsement. The Trump Trump endorsed you like nine months ago, dude. <laughs> what so yeah. like that to me is a pretty big signal that, like, well, actually, the Trump endorsement doesn't really mean as much as it means if Pat McCrory is still beating Ted Bud in a Ted Bud internal.
0: Yeah. Yeah, uh, 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 that that is that is not on the list, but I do think it's uh, also there's just it, it it it's a bit of a devalued endorsement. He's endorsing like everybody. He's endorsing like city council people in Hialeah. It's it's insane. Uh, uh, all right, we are going to go to Ohio. Straight out, pick them: Gibbons, uh, Mandel, Vance, and Timken.
2: Okay, so Vance and Timken have no chance. Uh, this is a pick'em between. Mandel and Gibbons. Uh, I'm going to take. I'm going to take Mandel uh, only because he has won statewide GOP primaries before, and Gibbons is a dude. And the thing about people whose qualifications for political office are they're a dude uh, yeah. is generally they run bad campaigns when uh, shit hits the fan. When when the when
0: when the chips are down. Yes. Uh, all right, swinging down to Florida, Christ, over Nikki Freed right now. Polling has it at point. Uh, sorry. At, at, uh, five Chris giving five to Nikki. Chris,
2: Fried. Chris, Chris is going to annihilate her. Uh, uh, freed Friday. I don't know how to pronounce her name. I did, I never bothered learning issues. So inconsequential, uh, Chris does. I mean, she better. was leading
0: initially. Like, let, let's let she she was not. Uh, she was she was looked at as as the 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 strong candidate, and then she obviously pulled terribly against DeSantis, and that coaxes Chris into the race. But you know, it. If I mean, look, I could do a whole a whole series on the Florida Democratic Party and and how they have just. Flagrantly failed on every level, but this is supposed to be your bench. You know, she is she was the like, I can win statewide. She already won statewide. That was the big bugaboo. Uh, uh, and and young, energetic, attractive lady. This should be it. Nothing, and they're gonna rerun Chris.
2: Yeah. Uh, so the reason I never bothered learning her name is because I'm just perpetually done with Florida at this point. I wrote a column the Friday night before election, uh, before election night in 2020 saying if Florida was called Seth, Georgia, no one would think we have a problem here. It's fine. Calm the F down about Florida. Yeah. Well, we saw what happened. Right. And I, I'm an idiot, like whatever, I have no problems owning the fact that I'm an idiot. And so my view has just been, well, you know, I don't even care about this race, but Chris is going to win. Cause Chris has like, he has a pretty clear electability advantage. He pulls a lot better in the DeSantis, in the head-to-heads against DeSantis than she he does. Is. He does. And he has more money than her, although both of them are really anemic fundraisers, which, you know, would be fine if this was Wyoming or whatever, but uh, anemic fundraisers in Florida, Ugh, not great. But yeah,
0: you got two major media markets and they're fairly far away from each other and it's a massive state. Uh, uh, it is, I mean, it's three, really three, three major media markets. Um, yeah, uh, I, I, I am, I am just, uh, I mean, I guess, I don't know. To, to be honest, this is also kind of a dead man walking primary anyway, because DeSantis is just, you know, he's gonna, he's gonna roll here anyway. Uh, all right. Are there any races that, that, uh, uh, you would like to, to highlight, to, to offer lines for, cause that's all I have.
2: Uh, I think Pat McCrory is going to be Ted Budd in North Carolina, which I may or may not have slashed per, I think I did tell people to bet for one of my first uh, columns over at the lines last year. So hopefully mm-hmm. I fully took advantage of that. Um, I, am just trying to think if there's any other, those are the other interesting Senate ones that we've missed. Uh, no oh I get uh, Dean Heller Is uh, Dean Heller's dead by walking in Nevada It's going to be Joe Clark County Sheriff I think it's Joe Lombardo uh, He'll probably win by like 15 and people Still think Heller's going to win just because he's the name People have heard of but mm. outside of that Now that's that's all I really got on my list Well there we go Yeah I don't know I'm uh, uh,
0: The ones that I need I need to Get up to Pennsylvania I need to get out To Georgia uh, and, and whatever's happening with this Ohio one, I'm, I'm, I'm curious about, uh, but, but yeah, really, no, I mean, Ohio's going to be fun. Ohio's going to be, Ohio's going to be nuts. Cause there's a, a, there's a weird amount of money, uh, there. And I think that's another one where, you know, especially if, and right now, nobody's even talking about inflation getting better over the summer anymore. That used to be the talking point. It used to be like, okay, well, COVID gets better and inflation gets better. Now, nobody's really even talking about that. So it's like anybody who's on the Republican side is looking at this as this is the best opportunity. And especially in states like Ohio and Pennsylvania, where you are, you know, there's going to be no incumbent. That's pretty tasty.
2: Yeah, no, absolutely. Uh, Now, the one thing, the one thing Biden might. See, if Biden were a better politician, I'd give this notion some credence, but like uh-huh. someone suggested to me like, well, what if Biden managed to manages to effectively put in people's minds that this is Putin's inflation and therefore this is like your patriot, like it's not his bad, you know, economic management, it's Putin. And he just gets to like, and that's why people, so people don't blame him as much for it. And I'm like, okay, like yeah, well, that's he, a great he strategy. Tried, in theory. He's trying to do
0: it with gas.
2: Yeah, it's a great idea in theory, but do you what on earth does the Joe Biden political machine about their last year, what makes you think they can pull it off?
0: <laughs> well, and 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 beyond that, it's it's you know, inflation's the 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 line before was this is transitory. So how are you going to switch midstream into it's not transitory, it's caused by Putin. It was always caused by Putin. Uh um, and you know, right now the the line is on the gas, like, hey, we all need to con- we all need to to pay our patriotic duty at, at the pump. And right now that's gonna play because everybody loves Zelensky and everybody feels terrible for what's happening in Ukraine. But I'm gonna give that about two or three fill-ups at $70 a pop before that wanes in popularity, in my opinion, like that that will not we are at the peak of how much we we want to donate to the the fact that a horrible thing is happening across the world,
2: yeah, I completely agree with that also. Can I just say it always gives me a temporary shock when I see uh like when I see people talk about like gas being like six dollars or whatever? 'Cause I'm like, what? And I remember you guys use gallons because you're the only country on earth that uses <laughs> gallons. And it always <laughs> confuses me.
0: Oh yeah. Yeah. No, it's uh that's you know, that's one of our charms. All right. Evan Scrimshaw, uh the lines, you do a great uh Substack. Where can people get that?
2: Uh Scrimshaw Unscripted dot dot com for my uh general politics writing it's been a lot of canada recently but a lot of
0: canada enough of that it's fine <laughs> talk about stuff that i care about now that's f- uh, every once in a while i can i can i can handle a, a column about a parliament but but you know come on we're we're, we're getting into we're getting into big boy shit now
2: okay but here's the thing though like I keep wanting to write about the U.S. and then nothing. Like there's no polling. There's no good polling out for the I last know. like six weeks. So nothing's happening. Trust me. I want to write about the U.S. I feel bad for my American readers. But like, give me something. In Canada's burning, so they give me content. You guys don't. That's your fault.
0: It is. Um, it is. It is terrible, man. The polling has been really, really bad. Uh, uh, like I mean, again, it's like the how is there not more polling on Connor uh, Lamb versus Fetterman? Like that's that's. Insane, like that. That's a that's a really consequential election. You know that that could be the next senator from Pennsylvania.
2: The worst thing to me, the worst thing to me is Fox News went in and pulled Pennsylvania because they did a they did a Pennsylvania governor and a Pennsylvania Senate primary poll on the Republican side, and then they didn't bold. They didn't do a Democratic primary poll. <laughs> <laughs> Come on, guys. Come on. Give me
0: something. I need content. It's so uh, uh All right, buddy. Exactly. But, Thank you so much for coming on. Uh, I always love love coming on, man. Thanks. And that will wrap it up for us today. Politics, politics, politics is written and hosted by me, Justin Robert Young, for Dog and Pony Show Audio in Austin, Texas. You can thank... Mr. Scrimshaw for coming on the show by heading on over to letter P letter X number three guest.com. That is P X three guest.com. Of course, you can always send me an email, the young American at gmail.com. Hit me up on Twitter. P X three tweets. Find me on Twitch Mondays, Wednesdays and Fridays. P X three live.com. Share this podcast with your friends, family and clergy px3podcast.com, and of course, get all of your summer merch. Now's the time for uh, to get those PX3 tank tops as the weather is beginning to warm up again, politicsmerch.com. Of course, if you'd like to make a one-time donation to the show... We always are thankful and welcome them. PayPal.me slash payjury. My Venmo is Justin-Young-20. Thanks to Jason, who sent me some cash with that. Cash app is PX3 Cash. Alan and Craig, my boys, thanks for hitting me off with donations there. And of course, send me a physical item. P.O. Box 1531-84, Austin, Texas seven, eight, seven, one, five. Again, P.O. Box, 1531, 84, Austin, Texas, seven, eight, seven, one, five. Just make it out to Justin Young. But of course, there's only one place that you can get bonus content, and that is at TakePoliticsSeriously.com, our subscription premium program powered by Patreon. $3 tier gets you two bonus podcasts per week, covering all the news that we miss on our free podcast schedule. And the $10 tier gets your name read at the end of the show, like these fine folks in the Titanic. $10 tier, unsafe DB level. Idris Indian DJ Katie Mack, Meister, Dr. G, Admiral Flapjack, Utah Jimmy Montana, Edmund Plurbus Unum, Pete Spicety, 70s TV salesman or spy, D. Really, and Gloria Young for King of the New World Order, Zombie Doc, Edison, no mention on the podcast, please, Com Junkie, DP 4 Bongo, Jewish Lives Matter, 100 Mile Runner, Staff Sergeant Poopers, Berkeley, Stephen, Diana, Silent Slumbers, Katie Stetch, Adam L., Double K Ranch, Yo Pinball Shop, John, The Opposable Thumbs for Dogs Foundation, Super Zoomy, Neil, Charles, Darren, Olin, and Angela, DL, Steven, Chad, Matt, Miranda, Janelle, Chief Andy, Robert, Casey, Paul, Dustin, Richard, D. Laser, just another pilot, middle-aged Mike, The Gen, J. Pink, and Andrew, you want your name right at the end of the show like those folks? Well... One place to do it, TakePoliticsSeriously.com. We are efforting an actual candidate interview. Michael Shore, my old friend uh, from the the blink-and-you'd-miss-it BitTorrent News days, is running for Congress. And I got one question for the man. Why? Hopefully, that'll be on Friday if we can uh, track them down. Till then, this is your old pal, Justin Robert Young, saying, Some shows talk about politics. Others talk about politics. And still more discuss politics. But this is the only show that dares discuss. Oh! Simon Club hopes you have enjoyed this program. (laughs) Dog and Pony Show Audio.